we're going to go see for my birthday. Stephanie got me tickets to see when the Blazers play the Pacers, which is obviously not even close to the same thing. Right. But I'm still a great huge oh, Blazers fan. As so. you should be. And I just say, like, I'm a Kings fan too, you know. So I'm a Northern California guy. But for sure. This yeah, but obviously the Warriors are doing some absurd. ridiculous things right now. Yes. Yeah. Okay. I am ready when you are. Okay. Good evening, everybody, and welcome to This American Horror Story, the unofficial podcast of the FX hit show, American Horror Story. I am your host, Tyler Moss, here with my co-host, Chris Husted. What's up, party peeps? Yo, yo, yo. <laughs> What's going on, man? Is that a single stocking I see hanging from your wall behind you? It is. It's the one that didn't make it over the uh, fireplace that we have because uh, my lovely girlfriend bought new stockings for our whole family, which is ourselves and the cat and the dog. So, so is, that the do- is that the dog stocking or the cat stocking or is that your stocking? That was my old one that is now relegated to the office. Oh, okay. Right on, right on. <laughs> uh, well, happy holidays, everybody. Um, they're coming quickly. We have a few good episodes, I think, left before uh, the break. Christmas falls around. Yeah, because, I mean, we've got, this is episode nine. Correct me if I'm wrong. Yes. I think it's nine. Yep. Which means we've got four episodes left. Um, it's normally 13, right? Right. I think and we I have think... one more next week, and then we have a break, and then we come back for the final episodes. So then we hit it one, two, three. And kind of, I, yeah. I like that because if they had done next, you know, because then they would be doing, yeah, we'd have to do next week. And then if they had the following week, they'd be right before Christmas. So we probably need that little little break in between. Otherwise, we would all be missing it and busy with, busy with the holidays. Truth. Whatever you celebrate. Happy holidays to you. Now, um, before we dive into everything this evening, my friend, what are you drinking? Well, let me tell you, my friend, I'm on my way. Uh, but I'm actually having some Kansas City whiskey right now. Mm, Midwest. Yep. What are you drinking? Uh, bourbon and cider. Classic. Oh, there it is. Cheers. Cheers. Clink. Clink. <laughs> now, as always, we appreciate it when you guys join in the conversation. That can take place in a few different places, one of them being Facebook. Facebook.com says This American Horror Story. We love it when you guys talk to us there, when you give us your opinions on episodes, when you lend comments and insight, such as this great uh, comment we had on the last episode from Kyle, who uh, noted something interesting. If John's purpose is finishing March's unfinished business, then is March going to disappear once John completes the full spectrum of the Ten Commandments? Ten Commandments. Right. It, it, exactly. Because we've talked about, or it's been brought up that the uh, ghosts, if you will, of the Hotel Cortez, if they have unfinished business, that's why they stick around. Right. So I think that's a very fat, a very interesting question, and we certainly appreciate when you guys bring that kind of insight to the table. So thanks, Kyle. And also, you guys can do the same thing by emailing us at thisamericanhorrorstory at gmail.com. We sincerely appreciate it. Uh, last but not least, please check us out on iTunes and rate us and review us. That means a lot, and um, you know your feedback goes a long way, one way or another. 
We're open-minded guys. We take criticism well, I think. Most of the time. <laughs> Most of the time. <laughs> no, 99, 99% of the time. But yeah, thanks for joining us, guys. And uh, as we go into the home stretch of American Horror Story, I guess let's go ahead and, and hit it. So without further ado, let's talk about episode 9, She Wants Revenge. So, what she are we referring to in the title here? We have a few she's, I think. She, I think, refers to, obviously, Ramona Royale, who has the most obvious revenge, as she talks about she wants revenge. Um, I think I think we also, in a sense, talk about uh, Liz Taylor, though there's no plan in motion for her just yet. It's uh, quite spiteful of how she interacts now with the Countess for killing oh. Tristan. Girl is sassy. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. I'm, I'm loving Liz in this episode. I think we're also kind of talking about the Countess in a way, you know, as well, uh, dealing with um, March. Mm-hmm. I think you're absolutely right. Is there anyone else you can think of? Who would particularly want vengeance? I think those are the three. I mean, I think Iris does I was gonna in say Iris. own way. Yeah, Iris also. Yeah, I, I cannot wait to delve into talking about the Iris Donovan Rom- Ramona dynamic right now. I have a lot There's- of pluses and negatives about their situation but i feel like as straightforward as this episode was i have a lot of margin comments to bring in in, in questions and that kind of thing so i'm looking forward to getting into it so without further ado let's go ahead and dive into the intro here uh the countess kind of opens with a soliloquy here about um women aging and speaking specifically kind of about the toll i guess that time has had you know the hundred obviously years, um she says right well, and obviously she's gone above and beyond to preserve her her youth. Um, and I guess the question she's kind of facing is like, for what? And, and this is kind of a question I have for you. Is after she'd lost Valentino, what was what was left to live for? Why did she go on for so long manipulating people and preserving her youth like that? Right, and then why also is it all of a sudden as all these events are unfolding at the Cortez, why is it now that she's choosing her moment? It seems we kind of get that. I, we, we, well, we try to understand why Ramona is doing it when we get her flashback, but with the countess, it's kind of, you know, was she biding her time? Is she trying to, uh, is it all of a sudden something that just got reignited or has it been festering for so long? And it's just been festering for a hundred years that now she's finally, wanting to make a choice to rectify things. And I think we get a little bit of insight as we get further into the episode, and she talks about, to Valentino, how for 100 years she's been trying to basically create an imitation of him, and they've all failed. Uh, And maybe Tristan is, I suppose, the latest example, obviously. And maybe, you know, intentionally, maybe I'm sure they had... Finn Wittrock play her last imitation and Valentina. Absolutely. And I guess, you know, when she realizes that Tristan was in love with Liz, the realization then being that no one else, there is no imitation that would fill that hole Valentina left. And so, you know, at that same time is when she also finds out that Valentina was not actually dead to begin with. And so it kind of stirs up something new in her. Now, uh, during this whole process, the Countess and Drake are sort of planning their wedding throughout throughout this episode. 
Um, of course, Drake wants it to be big because that's how he does everything. Everything. Uh, but the Countess wants it intimate. Of course, so as few people know about it as possible. So when she slaughters him, it's discreet. And of course, he's happy to go along with it. I think we can assume to some degree because she's kind of glamming him into it. Well, clearly, because he... Uh, well, yeah. I kind of want to get into it, too, but he brings up the whole bisexual thing, and that's kind of a commentary that I wanted to... With Lachlan. There's a few political messages yeah, in this episode, yeah. and we'll get to them here. Um, this is also, in this opening scene, the first tension we see between Liz and the Countess. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> uh, I don't even remember how many times Liz calls her a bitch in this episode. Yeah. <laughs> but I appreciate... Um, the gall, I guess, of Liz for after the Countess slaughtered her boyfriend uh, to be so upfront in her distaste and not kind of cower or be submissive. Agreed, especially after, as we know, Liz's backstory now, how the Countess basically helped Liz kind of evolve into the person that she wanted to be or maybe transition to become the person that she wanted to be or who she is or accept right. it I, whatever you however you want to phrase it but she, she was very uh, helpful in that formative moment in Liz's life and now it, she feels betrayed so and she she steps to her toe to toe and says yeah she calls her a bitch multiple times and I think they both feel betrayed. And, you know, mm-hmm. we have the Countess here saying, like, everyone, no one appreciates all I did for them. But at the same time, I mean, the Countess wasn't exactly selfless in her motivations for this kind of stuff. You know, she ex- expected um, complete submission from everybody. And so I like the dynamic we kind of set up there. But as the... Uh, well, and I also, I think this was wonderfully acted by Dennis O'Hare. The, oh, he's great. Uh, he's great. The anger and, and, you know, it was just so palpable. I thought it was fantastic. Agreed. With a little bit of sense of fear, you can you can tell, you know, especially toward the end when they have their interaction and, you know, you can tell that he or she is very, uh, she still has a little bit of fear toward, mm-hmm. which is understandable because of what Liz has witnessed over the years. He knows what she's capable of, or she knows what she's capable right. of. Absolutely. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Now, we also learned that we'd talked about this before and speculated whether or not those kids were still out and about murdering people, whether we'd learn more about it or whether this was like going to be an additional thing. Um, but we revisited it. Um, the kids are out there the kids killing are back. people. It's on the news. <laughs> and uh, so, question for you. We can, I mean, obviously, we see the count, or Alex kind of look up and obviously note what's on the TV as the Countess is watching. Do you think the Countess is aware of what's going on? I don't think so yet. I don't think so yet. I, I, you think she will become aware? Absolutely, and I think that's going to be part of the downfall of the Cortez in some form, uh, yeah, 100%. Because, you know, we see Alex trying to get them, like, I can help you guys come to the Cortez. And these kids, and I can't help but think of it as somewhat of a commentary on millennials of some sort, as we, even though they're way too young to be that, uh, of just children being assholes. <laughs> And Alex trying to tell them, you know, what's what, and them just being punk kids. Mm-hmm. We don't want to listen to adults, yeah. Um, so this is kind of what we're setting up. A few different threads here, but everything is pr- relatively tight-knit. I, I think this episode, the way it was written, everything kind of, um, all the storylines blended together relatively well, I would say. Yeah, I agree. 
because uh, we also realized that the Countess has hired private investigators to track down Valentino. Doesn't seem like he's that far away. He's in like a motel somewhere. Um, and I, this is when we see surprise, surprise. We think she's going to be back with Valentino, but no, she's back with Donovan. She's banging Donovan. That was a quick uh, uh, cut to who we think she's having sex with, and no, no, it's Gaga's butt with uh, sitting on uh, Donovan's wiener. <laughs> Indeed. <laughs> Indeed, that's what's happening. Um, so Donovan wants commitment. The Countess swears to it wholeheartedly. Uh, Do you believe her? Question... Did you believe her at this point? Well, this is the question I typed in is, who's lying here? Yep, I, I wrote the same thing down. Because um, they're talking about their kill list and how they're going to kill Drake and then more people after this. Um, I thought that Donovan was... Uh, I thought that he was still playing her at this point in time. Me too. Uh, but I also didn't believe the Countess either, and I still don't. I still don't think. I still think that Donovan is that she after. I mean, oh, she's for sure. It, it, I mean, after watching this episode, she's for sure one hundred percent there for Valentino, and that is her man. That is it. And she's. She even says she's. I mean, we're jumping to the end here, but she's been trying to replace him or find someone like him since he left. Or disappeared. Right. Yep, she's using Donovan, and I think that Iris and Ramona tried to warn him of that, and he's his addiction. Uh, it goes beyond that; he doesn't want to believe it. So, I at this point in time, I thought that they were both playing each other. Yeah, I was right about one. I think I was right about one of them. I think you're right like about one too. in the moment, and then by the end of it, I think we're gonna we see the other person come around to realizing the mistake. Mm-hmm. Uh, at this time, you know, we see some porn stars check in, and including their pornographer producer Stormcock. <laughs> uh, and man. Iris goes on to go ahead and slaughter them. Um, she has there is a little bit of political commentary here about on pornography. Same same stuff that every. I mean, I think it's probably been overdone. Um, you know, we've all heard a million times how Iris says that she's not against good old fashioned porn, but. But she says it hurts the women. It also hurts the men. It's and and she even goes off on kind of the whole amateur porn trend with like people filming on sex tapes, phone cameras on the cameras yeah. or in the phones. Mm. Yeah. So I guess she's talking about kind of over sexualization in general. Um, I wasn't really sure what this commentary was for. I couldn't tell either. I was trying to figure. Is out this that. is this supposed to be character building for Iris or is this? Ryan Murphy talking. I think that I think well. So this this uh, episode was written by Brad Falchuk, so I think this is a Brad commentary on wrestling with the significance of pornography, and I I didn't get a clear answer besides uh, it, it's damaging to the people who are involved in it in some form, which we I, I mean you look at the headlines today the um, James Dean the guy that's been accused and of raping some of uh, his co-stars and the pornography companies that have disowned him and cut him loose. So maybe it's something to do with that, but it it did feel kind of like, you know, some of those moments, like it reminds me of um, the vaccination sequence where we had that commentary come in and it just seems like I'm going to shove how I feel about some, some political issue into the show for three minutes and it'll pertain to the story somewhat but it's really kind of just put in there as something that i want to 
as a writer want to put in there. That being said, this one didn't give me a clear answer of how they fell on it besides it can hurt people. Yeah. It felt a little pedantic to me. Yeah. But um, I'm glad we didn't linger on it for too long. Yeah. And I don't think it's something we'll revisit. I, I mean, it was just more a device for Iris to have something, you know, a reason to not like them so she could then go slaughter them. Kind of similar to the millennials in the last episode. Agreed. Or a few episodes ago. 100% agreed. Um, and Donovan shows up and seems... At, at this point, he seems kind of impressed, I would say. Or maybe impressed as a or maybe amused. I, so here's one of my problems with this episode. Um, and I wrote this down. I, wrote, I thought Iris and Donovan were already teamed up, but we've had such a jump in time, which seemed, may have only been like a day or two or three days, maybe a week. I have no idea. But I, I thought they were teamed up. And then when we, when we don't check in with characters, all of a sudden things have changed. And then we have to spend the whole episode going back to seeing why things changed and having them talk about why things are different or what happened and the exposition on that i feel like is a waste of time i hear you the timeline ends up being a little bit more convoluted since we haven't visited these characters in a little while right we've had a lot of one Um, character or one narrative driven episodes the past two or three episodes Mm-hmm. Which, to some degree, Which, I think we've appreciated. Absolutely. But you're right. By leaving characters behind like that, then we get stuck with these little um, vignettes where you know we see the Countess waking up Iris in the middle of the night to accuse her of right. letting Bartholomew out, and you know Iris ultimately giving up Ramona Royale at that point in time. Right. We're backtracking for half the episode. And this is also when we learn that, well, at least Donovan tells Iris he's he's playing the Countess. Again, I was gonna say at this point, I wanted to ask you: Did you trust Donovan? I believed him at this point. I thought that I did he too. really, really was going to uh, stick it to the Countess because I thought he really was bitter about being picked over for Tristan still. Right. Um. Yeah. So I would say at that point, I I was still thinking that's that's where things were going. Um. In the meantime, of course, we have the wedding um at least beginning to put you know everyone kind of getting in place for the wet between the countess and will drake um lachlan we this is the part you're talking about for is a little bit confused by his father's bisexuality so it seems um, Which, i do kind of go ahead oh i was gonna say so he talks about bisexuality and he's like you know dad likes men and women equally but as we know, it's that's probably not really the case. I, it's like mm-hmm. it seems like he definitely favors men more. Uh, maybe there's a little bit of a window for women in, in there, and uh, you know, I, I'm, I'm kind of surprised in a show like this where I would assume they would they would take more of a stance on sexual fluidity, uh, which is much more modern and accepted as kind of how humans are sexually. To take this kind of it's not antiquated per se, but it seems a little old fashioned to bring up the bisexuality and the son. Uh, what's the son's name again? Lachlan. Lachlan. Uh, say like, oh, well, like, you know, that's, you know, it, to me, I was taking it as the, uh, oh, you're bi, which that means you're basically gay, but you're denying that. Interesting point, and I didn't think about that before, but it is, I mean, because that's exactly what they're essentially implying. Everything Mm -hmm. that we've learned so far has led us to believe Drake is gay, but essentially the Countess has toyed with his mind. Yeah. Right, right. Yeah, and I, you know, I'm kind of surprised that comes out of Falchuk and Murphy, who seem to be much more progressive on the stance of sexuality with all their shows. Right. I wonder if that was intentional or not, because... 
I didn't think about that before, but you make a good point. It reminds me kind of, I don't know, have you been watching Scream Queens? I haven't caught, I'm a few episodes back. Okay, uh, and this this is, I mean, it won't be a spoiler for you, but it's a spoiler alert for people who are not watching Scream Queens. But Boone, the the gay frat brother, um, essentially they have him later on in the series, in the season, he says that he's been faking that he's gay and that seems kind of a backwards regressive look at like trying to portray uh gay people in i don't know i don't know in in tv and in characters like faking gay seems like i don't know it was just i I was just surprised to see that in a show like that that falchuk and murphy produce Right, because, you know, the sexuality seems like they would handle that with more gravity. Yeah. I mean, and they, and they have in the past. Exactly. So they're super ballsy with it, and that's what I kind of enjoy about how they incorporate characters that have this progressive look at that. Hmm. But then you yeah. have, you know, Will Drake here now talking about, like, trying to defend, not defend his bisexuality, bisexuality but explain it, and... The son giving the commentary. But defend, no, no, I think you're right. I think he is defending. It. He yeah. is trying to defend it because Lachlan's trying to come out on it. He's like, I've never seen you with a woman before. Yeah. Although obviously, well, yeah, I guess we don't really know whether Lachlan's adopted or what exactly. We don't really know that. Yeah, yeah, we don't have the background. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. anyway, I found that kind of weird. No, I think that's a good, interesting point, and I appreciate you bringing it up because it's one that I didn't initially think of, but it's it's something to con- yeah, kind of interesting thing to consider. But enter um, Miss Evers. Right, we get some real uh, background. Her. I love background. Her. Additional background on Miss Evers, who has been another scene stealing character. I think this season. I was thinking the same thing in this episode. Evers, Liz, uh, Liz Taylor, and um, Ramona. Rem- well, we're obviously Ramona, but uh, uh, March. Oh yes, right. they're just good Killing characters. Mm. Anyway, sorry. Let's let's go with Miss Evers here. Yeah, all. <laughs> um. We learned the background that she loved March, and it almost seems like March was very flirty with her and implied that maybe he would have married her if not for the Countess, Doesn't is he what say, I understand. Yeah, he says something like, my mom or dad always told me I should like love uh, or fall in love with a, uh, a homely person. <laughs> that sounded like something like that. Yeah, yeah, I think that's exactly what but he said. But the Countess is this like magnificent creature or something like that. Yeah, it's like he's a magpie or something, and he was more interested <laughs> in a shiny object. You know? Yep. <laughs> Even though Miss Evers was so uh, tolerant of his... I mean, ultimately, I think that they had the real Romeo and Juliet end here, <laughs> I think we would say, more so certainly than him and the Countess. Truth. Uh, did you find it odd that seeing the sequence of them, the, the flashback of with uh mayor winningham because you're you know this cousin coven she was his uh-huh. mother uh-huh i was thinking that exact so same thing weird. too i couldn't get down with this i don't know yeah. if i like i didn't like it yeah it was a little give me the eebie-jeebies a little bit but i know what you mean but yeah so we get a little bit more background on why she's so devoted to him um which i think we kind of in, we'd understood that a little bit i wish it had been maternal and not sexual I don't know why it had to be a sexual thing, but I'm not surprised though. Yeah, hey, not with this show. Yeah, um, but essentially, yeah, basically, Miss Ever shows up to warn Will Drake, and he just kind of 
panics, freaks out, and doesn't listen to it at all. Um, and I mean, I think that to be fair, his he's not thinking straight, you know? Right. Right. Exactly. I mean, he's glamoured, like you said, and she ultimately says, "You're gonna die. This is what happens. You will die, and I will smile over your dead body as you're dying." As in, I told you so, essentially, right? And boy, does she. And she does. <laughs> Call back. <laughs> um, yes. She and, as he's, and as she's warning him, the Countess is busy recreating the vault. Um, at this point, who do you think she was going to put in that vault? I I didn't know, actually. I was kind of... I, I, I thought maybe it would be Drake. I was thinking Donovan. I was thinking, oh, okay. Because at this point, I still thought Donovan was like gonna be revengeful. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So I was definitely thinking it was Donovan, and then of course March shows up, and uh, is fantastic. I really oh, love the great. conversation he has with the guy. Um, but you know, all, so this uh, is it. Saw that this was kind of an homage to by them putting all the cameras in this. You know, and they're gonna put all these you know closed circuit cameras in the hallway so that way they can actually watch what's going on this time around that seemed a little bit of maybe of an, a nod to saw or something like that um but mark shows up to help advise on basically creating a human a living tomb <laughs> um but she's pretty fed up with him obviously yeah she and slaps this is him. where and he seems genuinely, genuinely surprised at that which is ridiculous i don't know like why all of a sudden now like Obviously, she's resented him. Uh, he's a sociopath. I mean, let's yeah. just be... <laughs> I think sure. of all the people that we could say, you know, clearly, like, well, there's quite a few people we could say are not necessarily thinking straight in this season, or in this season, but I think that him and, and now John Lowe at this point are maybe uh, the most unsettled <laughs> characters that their logic might not quite add up to reality at all points of time. Um, Donovan brings the porn star back to Ramona, uh, the one porn star they saved, the male, mm-hmm. um, for them to feed upon together. And he, he kind of gives her the whole spiel about how the Countess taking him back is part of their big plan. Well, this He's is... given her the drugs to knock her out. Yeah, and this reminded me of another part where he shows up and, hey, this is when I texted you, I was like, oh, Ramona Royale is tight. Because, like, he walks in and she's just, like poses with her hand on her hip and her hip cocked out to the side <laughs> I, I love angela bassett this is great oh we've and seen this called... kind of uh posing in the foyer from her before oh yeah it's <laughs> just like fantastic i love it she eats it up um but she calls so her dramatic. pussy or something like that because because also the, we're playing catch up here because i thought they were teamed up and they they go back and forth like oh where were you what happened i thought we were doing this and like really y'all didn't talk for like three days or four days or a week yeah, the timeline is totally sketch here. Um, but you're right. She does, which I think is funny that she kind of implies that. And then she kind of says to him, you know, he says he can't pull the trigger. And she's like, I appreciate a man who understands his weaknesses. It was kind of yep. funny. A little bit ironic in the end. Yeah, a little bit uh, paradoxical. Mm-hmm. Um, but we. We got a flashback of her explaining, <laughs> right? Also, as they were drinking the porn star's blood, I was thinking, uh, his blood is probably thick with viagra so i don't know how good that is for them but yeah we get the flashback from ramona la in 1992 um she's you know i guess the premise of this flashback is to 
describe where she was when she was out of the way for a while, kind of between when the Countess killed her boyfriend and she has now returned. Exactly. It's her explaining what took her so long to want to take revenge. Yeah, and illustrating her loneliness. And, it, you know, obviously the story is between is about... Essentially, it's about her relationship with her father. Mm-hmm. Um, and how she eventually turned him into a vampire, but it couldn't fix Alzheimer's. heal his Alzheimer's and stuff like that. And um, eventually she ends up drowning him to free him from his kind of... It's a mercy kill. ...prison. Yeah. Uh, and then... She basically says she she got her strength from him and kind of emerged from two decades of spending time with him and this happening and was all ready for revenge. Before I say anything, I want to hear your thoughts about this flashback. Uh, it was good. I thought it was a little long. It seemed a little odd, I thought. Like, I love, I love Ramona. I think she's a great character. Um, I think maybe the purpose of it was for us to sympathize with her because obviously Alzheimer's is one of the most devastating diseases for a family member to deal with. But it just seemed odd for this super star blaxploitation uh, actress to return home for 20 years or, you know, however long yet, 20 years essentially. God, I keep saying essentially. 20 years and uh to find the motivation for her to get the revenge. I don't know. It seemed a little drawn out. I, I Maybe not necessarily... Yeah, it did seem a little out of character. I don't know. What did you think? It felt contrived to me. Yeah. It felt like... I was watching this and I was like, what is... Where is this going? What exactly this is, is the point this of this? Um, and yeah, and I mean, like, they were trying to make it kind of like a little... You know, like you said, like a heartfelt... Um, a mini story about Alzheimer's, I guess, and how that would, you know, how the virus would interact with somebody like that. But ultimately, it you're right. It didn't feel right with the character. It felt long. It felt like the, you know, her drawing strength from her father felt a little bit contrived to me. <laughs> what I would have much rather seen is some like Bruce Wayne shit, where she like went in the mountains to find herself and did some kind of like. <laughs> soul searching with like a troop of ninjas or something like that i don't yeah. know it just didn't like she seems more badass than that she's been spending yeah. the last past 20 years with their parents right and i'm not against a, a sentimental moment with family to kind of recalibrate how you feel about things i think that's very compelling and and it's effective but 20 years mm-hmm. you know because when she first time. moved there mm-hmm. she's like and i stayed a couple months i was like okay if she's there for a couple months then that could be effective but maybe it was just a couple months and then like I don't know what she did for the next 18 years Um, but it did feel contrived no I think I I mean I think she implied that she was like her and her her, she was dealing with her dad and the illness for full 20 I mean that's what I understood it is she was like she was with him for 20 years and that makes sense because he didn't age because after a couple months that's when she uh, changed him to be a vampire right and so that was my understanding also did you get the like when he ends up killing the people who break into the house, yeah. are they just like, did the same guys break into the house a second time? I think that's what it was, which is just silly. <laughs> yeah. It's just, that's just, that's ridiculous. Right. I think that this, this, the, this little and then story was probably my least favorite part of the episode. Because yeah. you're right. It just didn't seem right with the she, character. She, that character deserves a much better flashback of why she became so revengeful than 
my dad had Alzheimer's, and then I spent 18 years wiping his butt, and then realized I had to mercy kill him. And then all of a sudden, I was filled with rage and anger yeah. and the need to kill. And you know what kind of bummed me out was when she com- comes out of after she kills her dad, um, she says something like, and then my movie was streaming for free. And on that, Hulu. I know, yeah, it's like, wh- how is that in the same sentence as killing your father who had Alzheimer's and you try to save? I don't know. It, it was a little odd for that character. You know what I I think my biggest problem with it was is that in order for her to be like and I believe Angela Bassett's such a good actress that I believe that, mm-hmm. that like oh yeah her her need for revenge is so strong but I wanted to see that burning and burning and burning throughout those twenty years like her plotting right. and you know it it really reminds training. me of what it sh- what should be which is I mean you remember Tarantino's Kill Bill mm-hmm, like that mm-hmm. like that I believe the revenge it was just yeah. well done this revenge. Like, again, Angela Bassett acts the hell out of wanting revenge, but the backstory just doesn't fit it. Well, because this type of revenge, this type of after something so devastating, is like tunnel vision. Yeah. You know, it's so singular and narrow, and it's all you can focus on. So exactly. to believe that, like, Kill Bill. she kind of she had this twenty year kind of thing where like. And it wasn't even like she was with, at least from what I understood by watching the clip, it wasn't with as if she was with her dad the entire time. She would, like, go out and do shit and mm-hmm. come back and he was there, you know? Yeah. So, yeah. So this is probably my... I, I felt like this was a little bit zigzagging all over the place. Yeah. I I have a... Well, when we talk about the the our thoughts on it, I have some thoughts on what this episode really was. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so I'm glad to hear that you're kind of on the same page as me while it's going on. Now, I do have to say that after this segment, um, I ended up missing the very beginning of the next segment because I was in the other room. Pooping. And then I... (laughs) Maybe. (laughs) And then I came back in time to see Alex with the kids. Now, is there any notes that you took that about what had happened between these two scenes? Was it anything of significance? I know. All all, all the... So after, um... After Ramona came out of her flashback, um, they they cheers with the blood, mm-hmm. and, I saw that. and she says, "This is to revenge." God, she's so great. She's so good. Uh, and then we and then we come to Alex showing up at a house, and she walks into the house, and there's like eight, ten dead adult bodies <laughs> in the living room, all like dead and bloody. And she walks through, and then she sees a bunch of the kids and starts talking to um, the boy that she saved and says, hey, do you remember me? I'm the doctor. Max. Mac- mm-hmm. Yeah. And is that where you came in? So I think the part I missed is the part where she just sees all the adult bodies. Yeah, she just walks in. She started talking to the kid. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So we see a stack of, and I guess we presume this is all their parents because they later talk about having slaughtered all their parents. Yep. Probably. Um, yeah, so Alex tracks down the, the kids, and I guess... Part of the thing to read into here is that her moral compass is still persisted even in, um, even in her vampire face, to which it doesn't for, and which it has it hasn't for other yeah. people. Um, you know, murder has come pretty easily to everybody else who's been turned. So there's something about her that it's so that's such a strong force um, that she still feels it even post mortem. I guess. Yeah, and I don't know if that's just devotion to. Um, Holden, or if it's devotion to children and saving them in general, or if it's loyalty to the Cortez now. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, it, probably it's a amalgamation of all of it. I think you're probably right. 
Um, and an interesting thing to know here is that the kids, if they don't drink blood, they end up getting sick again. That well, sickness is like persists behind I, I, I their think blood drinking. That might be part of it, but also, do you remember like um, one of the kids was like, "Well, you know, we were drinking blood from that bum earlier." So I was I was under the impression that they just drank like kind of shitty, sick blood. But she still has that girl. Still had like the pox on her face. Yeah, like that's that right. Max had. And so. you had talked about how that might be because they had blood from the kid who had pox or whatever it was. Right, and so when they got the, even though they got the virus, they also got his other virus at the same time. Right. Was it measles? I'm trying to remember exactly what the virus. I think so. Or what they had before. Anyway. Um, and so it seems, at least from my impression, you know, they need to keep feeding in order to, you know, the kids are a little bit con- confused about what needs to happen here. And it's starting to get a little bit cutthroat. Like one of them wants to kill the girl who is kind of re- regretting, you know, who's not really up for killing more people. And don't um, they even like bring up like they want to kill Alex? Yeah. Well, and they almost, she, they, one guy wants to kill her and it's Max that ultimately lets her. Like, no, she that made She's us. allowed to leave. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's like the creations are... Uh, God, punk kids. Frankenstein going to kill Dr. Frankenstein, I guess. Um, yeah, but the kids are punks, so and maybe they'll... maybe, Like you said, maybe the kids will ultimately be the demise of everybody at the Cortez, because they'll just be like a mass... Maybe the kids will just become like swarms, like in World War Z or something, and they'll just like come in and <laughs> slaughter everybody oh, who's boy. in the Cortez. Um, yeah, because she invites them back to the... Cortez and they have no interest and so I, I you know I think we kind of get a clip that more on this is coming in the future episodes where do you think this storyline is going I think ultimately they have to end up back at the Cortez or at least draw attention to the, to the Cortez I don't know yeah I don't I, I'm, I'm I'm unclear when it happened I was really excited because I thought it was a cool little story that was happening but I Ultimately, I think it's going to come back and bite Alex in the butt, but it's also going to be part of, as we've talked about, somehow the attention drawn to the Cortez or the downfall of it in some form. I do feel like the Countess, when she's turning people, if she's going to let them roam free, should give them some more rules on like yeah. who to turn and why. Like, you know, what the implications are when you turn somebody. You know? Exactly. Well, all, like uh, what we saw with Ramona, like if you turn someone, like, uh, and this might play into the who we think is the you shall have no other gods before me, uh, Ten Commandments killer storyline. But um, anytime it seems someone's cr- tried to create someone and that, and when the countess finds out, she kills that person, and then and then banishes uh, the person who created whoever her lover was, or her subject was, and that might be the case with Alex. I don't think Alice. I don't think Alex is long for this world either for this season. No, I don't think so either. I I could see her own creations killing her, and oh, that would be interesting, especially mm-hmm. because she's so infatuated with children and her son maybe holden ultimately kills her you know maybe Ooh, the kids come and i like that i mean it's sad but i like that it'd be poetic though yep. right so donovan brings ramona back to the hotel to oh. kill a passed out countess and lo and behold well we all know at this point when she brings the knife in it's not going to happen right now 
This is not yeah. an episode nine murder. No. The Countess is not at all passed out. Um, it's just a ploy. He tases uh, Ramona and they put her in the vault. So, um, Donovan, you push over. So we, we, we understand Donovan's true allegiances at this point. Um, and he has a little bit of a run in with his mom here where she's like, what the hell are you doing? I love this. Yeah. We were a team. And What's going on? You, me and Ramona. And now that the Candace has had him back, like has him back, it's like he's backtracked on everything. He wishes his mom had still like, he wishes he'd never saved her and that she died. It's like he, um, he just got whipped again. I don't know. Yeah. He was a scorned lover that got taken back and he's all on board. He's like a little lap dog. I wrote yeah. on this, so I was like, all right, Donovan, like, you, you know, you lost anything that I was enjoying about you, but I would love to see Iris and Ramona team up <laughs> together now. So Iris seems the I, most level-headed. Yeah. The, yeah, This I like how her character has evolved. Yeah. Um, even though I'm not a big fan of her little political yeah, I, yeah. On porn. speeches. Well, and on the millennials and all the different little things. Yeah, she kind of um, is the voice of the writers for whatever they want to, the commentary they want to make. Right. I think Donovan's going to die. Yeah, for sure. I'm debating whether it's at the hands of the Countess, whether it's his mother who ultimately kills him, whether it's Ramona. I could see any of those three being the one. I could see all of them going. Mm-hmm. So it, it'll be interesting to see what happens. I don't think, as you said with Alex, I don't think Donovan is long for this world either. Yeah. In fact, I think a lot of these, I think there is going to be a hell of a lot of bloodshed in this home stretch. Per usual for this show, basically the the game for this show is like who's going to be who's last standing, who, but like legit last standing, not like ghost standing, but like human standing. Right. Um. So, um, the Countess Donovan Natasha. And Natasha's out with the credit card shopping. I mean, basically, the Countess has just gotten her out of the way by giving her money to go buy clothes and shit. Um, it seems like the Natasha's a lot more assimilated into this new world. Modern world, yeah. Than um, Valentino, who's kind of an old world man himself. Uh, but the Countess has a plan to wall the two of them off in the Cortez from all from everything else somehow with drake's money it's not really clear what exactly she wants to make it historical or something i don't know but obviously we we've learned what we kind of was implied or what we inferred at least from the relationship from the three of them is uh the the countess just wants valentino for herself and it seems like Valentino is not all that connected to Natasha, even after spending a hundred years in a vault with her. Um, yeah, she's kind of a third wheel. <laughs> Which I don't know. Keep it moving, dog. If it's not, both. maybe they maybe they hated each other. Maybe that's a lot of time to spend with somebody in a very claustrophobic space. Eating um, eating rats. Yeah. Uh, so what I understood from this too is that Donovan maybe. Donovan saw that Valentino was still around and that the Countess was kind of two-timing him. And I don't think the Countess realized he was there. Is that what you understood, too, that he was, like, yeah. observing? Donovan spied on them and finally saw that the Countess was making out and just, just obviously what what I think we as the audience are supposed to realize is that her love 
her heart only lies with Valentino, and that is, and I wrote this down three times, but at the bottom I wrote, who does the Countess actually love? And by the end of the episode, I wrote down Rudolph Valentino. Hands oh, down. Yeah. That's Hands who it is. Mm-hmm. So, and I think Donovan realizes this when he spies on it, on her, and figures that out. So, we'll see if he flip-flops back again, but even if he does flip-flop back, I swear, I pray that he is punished by Ramona. He will be. Someone, someone's going to punish Donovan, and I mean, yeah, he's. Unless the only other thing I can see happening is he somehow teams up with James March, who is also a spurned lover. Um, oh yes, that I would. That'd be interesting. I kind of hope it does go that way because. All right, I'm gonna tell you right now, but like my whole commentary on this episode is, it just seems like we're just spinning our wheels right now, and we end up essentially back in the same place. Just a lot of flip flopping. Yeah, I agree with you. And of course, this episode ends with the wedding, the intimate wedding, uh, in which the only witnesses are uh, Liz. I don't remember Liz and, and Lachlan, basically, um, and Liz, who is not all not too happy to be there. I love it. Like, does anyone object uh, to this marriage? And she go and Liz raises her hand and goes, uh, yeah, she's a bitch. <laughs> I love it. I think my I wrote down what a witness exclamation yeah. point. Oh, God bless her. I love Liz. So, uh, in a somewhat intimate moment, the Countess gives Liz flowers in the hopes that she finds her true love someday. Is that taunting her? Absolutely. That's the way I took it. It was so effed up. Like it was so, so cold hearted. Like, like, I mean, we all know clearly that Liz, at least in Liz's eyes, found her true love, and Countess took took the love away immediately. And um, March takes Drake to see Bartholomew. Mm-hmm. Um, so is March working with the Countess, or is he doing this? Is was it intentionally because he was jealous of? That's a good question. I, I initially thought it was a uh, just like all right. Like, cause I I feel like March kind of has knows that the Countess takes her lovers and maybe doing strategic marriages or whatnot, but ultimately he's still gonna have his once a month thing with her and that's fine. But when the Countess shows up, then I was like, oh, maybe he was planning on this because he knows this is a way to get rid of uh of Drake because if the Countess walks in and sees this and hears him freaking out about it she'll immediately want to get rid of him and kill him, even though she was already planning on that to begin with. So I don't know. It, I don't know. I don't know. What yeah, do you think? An attempt, well, I mean, I think she even says that, you know, she originally planned to kill him in Paris, mm-hmm. but after hearing those comments, she's going to kill him there and now. And So maybe that was, yeah, part of March's plan too. Which, to be honest, uh, I don't think they were that bad. I mean, they were, they were not great. Don't get me wrong. But he was like, I mean, if you looked at a baby that looked like that, of course your reaction would be like, oh my gosh. <laughs> Who is that? What I is mean, that? I, I th- yeah, I think it's fair to say she's a little bit sensitive. It's not like how... a cleft lip or something where you're like, oh, oh yeah, okay, okay. You know, like, sure, that happens. Life will... But, right, but right. This is, like, this a, is... like a fucking crazy... A vampire semi-aborted vampire C-section thing. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, so obviously her reaction is uh, pretty dramatic, but she KOs him, and they put him in that vault with Ramona. She KOs him with a, it was like a, um, I, I was trying to look at... Toy cannon. A toy cannon, that's what it was, yes, yep, yep. 
Um, and he, yeah, he a ends up one. with Ramona. Yes. Uh, but, you know, she's got vampire strength. I was going to say, like, like that's what you choose as your weapon? Anyway. He lets Ramona free only for her to then slaughter him and drink. How do you feel about blood. that? I saw it coming. <laughs> um... I, I, I agree. Clearly Drake's a little bit too trusting. He absolutely is. Um, I don't like that. I, I like Ramona a lot, and I, I wish she had been more of a, like, listen, I'm going to kill you. Sorry, I got to drink your blood. But she does this, like, kind of hunter type thing where she just walks up and says, oh, I'm not going to. Like, obviously her delivery is amazing. But you know she's a prisoner too so i figured there would be a little more of a connection between them especially because he's clearly a scorned lover as well from the countess but i don't know maybe she's just that hungry that she's got to do what she got to do and yeah maybe her now she is I'm not, at the point where yeah. her her focus is so singular it's just on what can she can do to get strength and survive right um but i know what you mean it was uh it's pretty obviously pretty aggressive action and there's miss evers there to grin and and not uh, grab his hand the, as he reaches yeah, up. The death of Drake. Now, uh, Drake is not gone forever, which I think anyone who watched the episode or the preview for next that made few me feel better episodes. Um, just like everybody else ever on this show, never he dies. Will be back. No one ever dies. He will return. You know what I think the problem is is that Brad Felchuk and Ryan Murphy are a little too precious with their actors. They love their actors so much that they can't kill somebody without bringing them back in one form or another. That was, uh, to be honest, Scream Queens are the same thing. Yeah, I, th- I, you know, I think that they they can't commit to losing somebody because they like them too much. Which I think ends up being, you know, as much as it pisses you off when you watch a show like Game of Thrones or Walking Dead that kills a character you love, you respect it because it gives it that much more gravity. It makes right. it there are that much more, yeah, it makes it that much more, like, dramatic when someone barely escapes the teeth of death. Right. I really, like, you know, I don't know. I, I, I really hate it. And it's part of the show. And we've kind of come to accept it, and it helps us readjust our expectations of what's going to happen. But it does lower the stakes of me being so invested in people because, or characters, because, I, and, and you too, because it's we know that they'll come back in some form. Right. And so, yeah, I, I agree with you. It does lower the stakes a little bit. But before we get too much into, I guess, um, the discussing upcoming episodes. Um, I want to hear your full reflection and kind of where you where you stand on this episode. So I think this was a completely different episode than the previous one that we just watched um, for a few reasons. One is obviously the last one we see a kind of one person narrative and the characters that fill in that story with uh, uh, John Lowe, which is interesting, great, and I like they do a good job, and a lot of shows do a good job when they do this like. Uh, um, singular story uh, um, an isolated story that happens in the time frame of the whole season I like that this one was back to back to form of a our traditional uh, American horror story which is fine and fun um, as we mentioned I didn't really like Ramona's flashback I think it was too long and I think it was contrived as as you say I completely agree with that um, I also feel 
ultimately like this episode was just spinning its wheels and we ended up basically where we started with the exception of and the other thing is like I was thinking about Will Drake's character was was he pointless like I don't understand like you know I understand why she would want to marry him because of the money but it doesn't seem like it's that big of a deal or big of a concept for her for the countess I know she talked about money issues early on as as the sole proprietor or whatever but it, it, I don't know Will Drake seems I, I like I like what happens but I don't think that is part of what it seems silly I don't I don't know I don't really like it um the other thing is with uh uh Donovan and Iris and Ramona we miss so much time that we won't when we check back in things are completely different and we spend a good chunk of the episode of them explaining what happened and where they're at now only to have them especially with Donovan seeing uh the countess reunite with Valentino to likely revert back to being uh revengeful again so I don't know. I yes, at this point we've moved uh, Ramona from A to B, which is now she's a prisoner, and we've moved Iris nowhere, a- except for like running around asking everyone the legitimate question of what happened, why are you doing this now? She's scolding her son about it, and then also moving Donovan from being uh, revengeful and a little deceptive to I'm guessing back to being revengeful. It just seemed like a wasted kind of time. Uh, I was going to give this three and a half, but I might go down to three. I think I'm going to give it a three. It was, I, again, I enjoyed it. It was fun. It wasn't a waste of time, but not, a, not, not my favorite episode. I think it was not great. What do you think? I think that you make a lot of really great points here. Um, I'm with you 100% on the Ramona flashback, and I think that we we have the same sort of ideas. And I, I think you make great points about the spinning wheels and like all the flip flopping with Donovan is just ultimately kind of irritating. Yeah. Not you know thinking that he's back to square one here. Um, and also, I would add that I felt like the political messages in this episode, um, and and all too often in this show, I feel like when they come up, seem. The problem I have with them is that when they a lot most of the time when they're inserted they they don't feel authentic to the show they don't feel like character development they don't feel like they're woven in well they feel like the writers talking to me directly outside of the characters of the there's show there's no subtlety at all right and so it feels like it interrupts the narrative of the show for me a little I bit. agree and so it disappoints me when I see that a little bit and and also I agree with you on the Will Drake point that like. He's been a character now for the whole season and, like, kind of played such an essential role. I guess that his death was at the end of the episode, but the fact, knowing that now that he comes back and, like, how just how quickly he was killed and with such little, I don't know. It just didn't seem like the dramatic event it seems like it was that it was led up to be yeah it seems like it's just something for characters to do so we can check in with people but not really a a, like a reason to keep the narrative uh storyline going i don't know and i like him i he's doing a good job uh what's his uh uh, cheyenne jackson 
he's good, but I'm I I don't know. That having been said, there was three highlights for me this episode, and they came in the form of three characters. Liz Taylor being the most obvious. Love her. Um, Miss Evers, Mary Winningham, being the second, who Love I it. thought Agreed. nailed it this episode. And Evan Peters, who I'm so happy to see continuing to absolutely, I think, kind of kill it. And this is kind of his, like... This is Evan Peters' reconnaissance. You know I, what I mean, I agree. We've been waiting for him to finally have a good character again, and he has it, and he's killing it. Yeah, and I think that this is a case to always make Evan Peters a bad guy or something <laughs> like a, a sociopath instead of making him the a douchey frat guy, lead. Or a zombie, or, or Frank right, or, or like the the lead love interest, or the you know the hero or something like that, which like. He, that, those are just bland, and he's too good at being these interesting character, like he's talented character roles. Yeah, for him to be doing these this other stuff, he can be such a more of an interesting, compelling character. So I, I'm loving James March too. So balancing kind of those against each other, I think this episode for me comes out to three and a quarter. Okay. Um, I would give it a little bit more than you, but I, I agree with you on so many of those points. It's only those kind of fl- like some of those great lines and flashes that that really rise yeah. up for me, making it a six and a quarter, which is down I think from a lot of the ratings we've given. Yeah, yeah, it uh, is uh, the past number of episodes. It's a bummer, especially when we see Ramona return, who whom we love, that she kind of gets this kind of piss poor flashback. Even though she's amazing at making her her character happen. And, you know, from watching the episode preview, it seems like we see a lot of head-to-heads coming up in the next couple. Of, and I think in the next episode we get, you know, Countess versus Natasha, it seems. Which I we're thought we to... were going to get that this episode. That's why I'm disappointed, too. Sorry. Anyway. I guess there just wasn't time for that, you know. Um, and then we're going to get... Iris and Liz teaming up, it seems like, to be the two to take down the Countess. Now that Iris doesn't have Ramona or Donovan more anymore. Yeah. Um, and then we have Alex versus the kids again, it kind of seems like. So the kids are still around, too. Um, so a lot of tension, um, face-off kind of stuff coming up. So is, we'll is see next how that week plays the, out. the episode... The next episode before yeah, it is right. We so we get episode ten and then we get like two, two maybe three weeks off and then we get the last three. Is that right? I think that's. I think we you... come back January sixth. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So we'll have a little bit of a break next episode, and so it'll be interesting to see where we leave things after that. It may. It sounds like we'll have all these kind of battles and maybe some. I don't know. It would be. It'd be interesting if we got like a real legit death or, or something of some kind to kind of leave us don't hold your breath for a few years. as Ramona yeah. would say don't hold your breath my hands on my hip and there's a little bit of head action there sure too. was <laughs> God. um I, yeah but I, last thing I want to point out though I think uh, Gaga did a good job again of the flashing back between the different stages and personalities and who she's interacting with I'm, I'm convinced she's actually pretty good now and I also love that when she's showing up and walking into motels, it reminds me of like, uh, like I, I honestly feel like, oh god, am I watching a Lady Gaga music video? Because she's always dressed in these elaborate, extravagant, gaudy things. But, uh, but acting wise, after we saw her flashback, I think she's pretty good. And also, I will say that um, 
if, even in the modern time when she's back with Valentino, she kind of reverts back to that yes, too. And so exactly. you're right. It, it's nice to see some range from yeah, that too. Yeah. I, I, I like that as well. Um, and so the other thing I wanted to note, and I just saw a, a headline a minute ago, um, right before we started recording, is that I think it's been... An, so let's note that we didn't see any John Lowe and we didn't see any... Um, Sally. Sally, this episode. But I did see... You, that you read the same be, thing I, I read, right? That we would be having... Um, season one. Sarah Paulson will be reprising her role from Murder House in the season finale. I saw that too. I'm excited. Which, let's remind everybody, she played a... Um, psychic, right? A psychic. Mm-hmm. Briefly. She was so, a, like, it was almost a cameo. I think she only was in like two, two three episodes, yeah. maybe. Yeah. Um, so she'll be replaying that role, and it'll be interesting to see how that fits into who she's trying to get in touch with in, in the Cortez, I can only assume. so Everyone. <laughs> we'll be drawing those lines again between now and Murder House, and we don't have that many more episodes left to do it. So Yeah, I'm pumped. Um, I don't want to talk about it now because I want us to stew over a little bit more, but since next week's the break, let's think about this, and I want to come back with um, potential ideas for what next episode or what next season is oh, going yeah. to be, and I think we've gotten some good ideas sent in, so we'll discuss those then, too. Sounds good. So um, let's look forward to that next week, everybody, and uh, I guess at this point, I want to thank you all for tuning in and encourage you to check us out on Facebook. And again on uh, Gmail, or email us at Gmail, um, thisamericanhorrorstory at gmail.com. And of course on iTunes, rate us, review us. We really appreciate it. Chris, where can people um, keep following you while uh, we're in between doing stuff? <laughs> at Chris Husted, Chris with a K. That's on pretty much everything except for Snapchat. The Chris Husted is where you can find me on Snapchat. What about you, TJ Moss 11? That's where you can find me, <laughs> TJ Moss 11. Um, we appreciate you guys so much, and uh, thank you guys for listening. And until next week, happy onyx. Mm-hmm.